Welcome to Medically Speaking Radio. I'm Dr. Mark Vaughn. And I'm Larry Finney. I'm a doctor. And I'm not. Let's get started. All right. And it's another week of Medically Speaking Radio. This week with Tom Hopkins. Or, or should I introduce you as Thomas Hopkins, MD. Either way, Tom Hopkins is fine. Yeah, I, I go with that. I heard he goes by Dr. Tom. I, Dr. Tom. I, yeah. I have heard that. Yes. So, yeah. so I have I to say... That. Ground control to Dr. Tom. I, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I've heard that before, though. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Dr. Tom uh, is not not your everyday internal medicine doctor. He, he's a bit of a special one because he is a television medical correspondent here in the Sacramento area. And anybody who's watched any amount of television or, or grown up in this area in the last 20 years, about, right, well, yeah. would recognize uh, Dr. Tom as the... Well, he's not a neurologist. He wears a bow tie a lot, but he's not a neurologist. <laughs> right, so that's correct. For those of you who aren't in medicine, sorry, that one's going to go over your heads. But uh, but he looks good in a bow tie and cuffs. This guy dresses more sharply than any other doctor in the room every time I've been around him. Well, and, thank you. And I'm around him a lot. So, But that says nothing about his, his, uh, his clinical skills and his reputation as a, a clinician among his patients is is the greatest. Uh, he's highly respected. And well, I'll, I'll stop going on about your, uh, your history. We'll, we'll ask you a little bit about that. All right. But welcome to Medically Speaking Radio, Dr. Thomas Hopkins. It's great to be here. It really is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I've been, I know you, you've mentioned this, I know you've been doing this for a while. Um, and I've, you know, I've, I've tuned in and uh, just really proud of uh, what you've been doing for, you know, the community. And this is a resource. So it's a privilege for me to be able to, you know, be on your show. Thank it's you. great to be here. And we're excited to be able to talk about something besides COVID. Yeah, absolutely. That's a bit of a break, especially. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked about a lot and we'll probably talk about it more in the future. So let's take a break from it today. Absolutely. It'll come up though. I'll, I'll just tell you that. So yeah. usually we start out by running down your background. So would you just give us a little quick, uh, quick thumbnail history? Well, for me, um, I have an uh, internal medicine physician. I was uh, trained in Colorado, University of Colorado uh, School of Medicine. And um, that's where I, I hail from. I've been in the Sacramento area since 1995, uh, practicing internal medicine, board certified, and I've always uh, have had a lot of leadership roles in the community. Uh, I've also, as you mentioned, had a, a specialty interest that I've really been passionate about, and that's been uh, health education and media outreach and trying to make people smarter and more educated around health care issues. So I, that, that continues to be something that's a big driver in my life uh, in addition to my practice. So uh, I would say that my practice of medicine, you know, I have that, but also with my radio, television uh, work that I get to do, it's also an extension of my practice. So it's it's very rewarding work for me. And I apologize <laughs> that I was negligent not to mention you're actually the chairman of the board of Sutter Independent Physicians, a, a independent physician association of 500 members. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. So that's the other thing. So I've, I, you know, I've, I've, uh, worn and continue to wear many hats uh, in my community. Um, I've been uh, always thought of, you know, being involved with all aspects of medicine so that you can really do a lot of great things for your patients. And that's what I basically do. Yeah. So and, that's my mission. And you have a gift for it. I mean, yeah. you, you, you can talk all day. <laughs> you know, what's interesting about that as physicians, I spend the majority of my time listening. Yeah. 
listening. That's right. Every day. So when people get to see me on television and I'm able to articulate things, uh, kind of bring in perspective, some of these things, it really has been after listening a lot. Yeah. So even though, yeah, someone says, Dr. Hoppers, you get to talk, you can speak and whatnot. I listen a lot. So I am able to gather a lot of information, hear a lot of inf- uh, opinions and read a lot of things, and then to try to make some sense of it. And so I articulate that to to folks. So I uh, do a lot of time listening as a physician, as which is our vital, most vital role. So I listen a lot. Yeah, you learn a lot from your patients, right? Absolutely. Education's two-way. And reading and, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, So we wanted to learn a little bit about the experience of, I was going to say growing up, but going through the medical education process as a black man. Yeah. Because it's a unique experience, I would expect. I don't know. I didn't got to establish that first. Since this is a podcast, they can't see him. But yes, he is. And you've been black all of your life, right? Yeah, for the most part. Uh, Not like you, who's only half Chinese for half your life. I've been half Chinese for only part of my life. I'm still new at being Chinese. But he's been his whole life. Yeah, Yeah, and I didn't try the 23andMe anything yet, because I don't want to find out that I'm not black, right? Right. So, uh, yes, because, you know, I don't know. I mean, something can happen. Even though it was really eye-opening, my daughter, one of my my teenage... uh, teenage daughter, but college educated kid, uh, came back and told me she did it. She told me who she Ooh. was. And I was like, wow, really? She said, dad, you should get a test. And I said, well, I think I'll just stay where I am right now. But uh, anyway, so yeah, there's a lot of people learning a lot of things about themselves. There's actually a disclaimer on the tests that said, you know, you may find out something. I'm not quoting it directly, but the essence is you may find out something you don't want to know or that's upsetting to you. So if you yeah. still want to proceed... Or to one of yes. your parents. Exactly. As was, yeah. Could have been the case. With, yeah. uh, it reminds me of a, a woman who put a, I think it was on, maybe it was on Instagram, maybe it was a Facebook post about her uh, DNA test. She's got um, a very light colored brown skin, mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful skin. Mm-hmm. And she, she actually labels her color of her skin, the color of rape. Really? That's a seed or a plant. Yeah. That's not what she's referring to, though. What? She's referring to her family history and her 23andMe oh. shows that her ancestors, she's actually more than half white because okay. of all of the rape that occurred I see. between the slave owner wow. and the slave. So her ancestors are both the slave enslaved Correct. and the enslaver. Wow. She. So she can speak on any issue. Wow. Absolutely. Well, I'm sorry. I got you all distracted. We went down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but what was your original question to Dr. Tom here? Yeah. Yeah. The, the experience of undergrad and medical school and residency and then uh, the experience of when you got out, it may have been different for you than it was for me. I don't know because right. I didn't live right. your experience, but I want I want to hear it. Well, I, you know, I've been wanted to be a physician since I was five years old. Um, so it's really started from that point. And, you know, I was a, my father my, uh, was military. So I have a military background. I'm fiercely loyal to the uh, military and our, all of our service members uh, that we have, because that was a journey of my father. Uh, and he uh, lost his life seven years ago to complications of tobacco. So that's why I'm also fiercely uh, 
try to get people to quit smoking and, and have a focus on prevention. But, um, you know, growing up, so I grew up in a military background on a base, you know, so it was multi-ethnic, uh, uh, cultural, but there was a, you know, a, a current of racism that existed in the military. Um, and of course, it, there was a hierarchy that was there. As my father was an enlisted service member, who was an officer, and as even exists today, there's a, you know, there is a hierarchy in the military. The haves and have-nots, if you're officers, you're not allowed to mingle with the non-officers. If you did, that's called fraternization. So there is a, a line that's drawn in the military that exists today that's been going on for a long time. And the rationale of that, of course, is to make sure you don't blur the chain of command. Um, and so I understand. But I've grown up in that realm for all of my life and have, uh, you know, still I think that my parents, what they instilled to me. Uh, it's really helped me along the way. So I would say I'm not one who felt I was uh, economically disadvantaged at all in my pursuit of medicine. It was always that I had good parenting that really was focused me on uh, just believing in yourself and that there are no boundaries, that uh, you nothing holds you back. The only thing that holds you back is you. So that's what has been my driver uh, as I have become, uh, you know, an adult and and have been a professional. So even throughout medical school and residency, along the line, there were things that I did see and perceive that were differences, uh, that were racial differences, the way were treated and whatnot. So I would have to tell you, one of the things my father told me, he said it was going to exist. He said that your equalizer is going to be that you outwork everybody. And so to this day, I will say my goal, what I tried to do is outwork everyone, right? So when I was going through medical school, when people were out having a good time and there were three African-American people in my class, and I wanted to make sure they knew that when they were out having a good time, I was hitting the books to make sure that I was going to be top of my class. And that's what I did. So I was going to outwork them. While they played, I studied and I outworked them. Uh, and I continue to think about doing that. That is my mission so that I'm always proving myself. I think that probably as an African-American, as I tell some of my uh, as I mentor to some folks to let them tell my story. I wasn't raised in the hood, right? And if whether you were or you're not, your thing, let your hard work, your effort be your drive. And that's going to set the, that's going to distinguish you, whether you're black or white, it's going to be the distinguishing thing. And so I've always had a focus on that and continue to tell folks to do that um, because there's, that's what I spent my time doing. Uh, Mark, so I would, I would say that there, yeah, there were opportunities where things were, um, you know, you were treated a little bit differently, uh, but I didn't let them hold me back. I also just made them a, a point where to have somebody understand where I was coming from. Um, and uh, as long as I continue to communicate that to them, uh, then I think it was it was end up being OK. And I continue to do that. Um, so when you think about where we are today. <clears throat> And uh, I and we've talked about this. I, no one already asked ever asked me as an African-American physician how I feel about anything that's going on in the world right now related to race. Nobody asked me that question. Why do you suppose that is? Well, you know, what? because as I've said, I think people are socially insecure. Mm -hmm. They don't want to offend anybody. And what we the solution is for us to ask questions. 
But I think the sense is that a lot of people are easily offended. Uh, I mean, well, at least they're easily offended if they're on Facebook or someplace. (laughs) The person we call the keyboard warrior, you know what I mean? They they will say or uh, uh, communicate things that they might, even though their name's attached to it, they might not do it in as snarky or as... um, angry a manner as they would if they were face to face. Right. The problem with typing is that, uh, other than all caps, right, <laughs> you can't yeah, tell man. what the vocal right. inflection is. Right. And so it quickly de-escalates yeah. into an argument. Yeah. You know? And I think I'm talking really like face to face. Yeah. If you are curious about how someone lives their life, have the opportunity to ask them. It's better face to face. Just ask them, what is it like to be black in America? Yeah. How do you feel going into a store and um, being treated in a service industry? Do you feel you're treated differently? I would say yes. Yeah. Happens all the time. Happens every weekend or something. If I'm dressed a different way and I go into Walmart, which I will go and to frequent a store when I need to, uh, there is a difference in the way I may be treated as opposed to if you see me out in public and I have, I'm in my regalia, my, my bow tie and everything. Oh, there's a difference in the way that you're treated. There's a recognition, but there's other things that just happen. And this is just not me. This happens with other folks. And now if you let that guide you and, and affect you, it would just hold you back. So those things do uh, exist. uh, And it's always exists that way, but I kind of look, uh, I overlook those things, but I really want that person to have a conversation with me, find out who I am. Because that would have them overcome. Because one of the big things now, and we've <clears throat> in our in healthcare have had a, a focus on this. I think that we really need to have more of this, not just for in healthcare, but implicit bias, unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. Right now, we are in the throes of that. Right now, we have see someone who's white, we see someone black. If that person has a Confederate flag somewhere, we make an assumption if they say something. One way, uh, if they say all lives matter, Mm -hmm. then we assume that's bad. And if they say it's black lives matter, we assume that means something else. When we have never really asked the individual, what does it mean to them? Ask them, what is their experience? And I think that's where we need to kind of get to, where we have that communication. So we learn to erode our unconscious bias. And that's what we do. Racism will be overcome by each and every one of us stop being socially insecure and to start looking at and asking the question to see if we have unconscious bias about things. And trust me, we all do. We all have it. So that's what's universal. So instead of when we say we label people as being racist, I think we should never label people in general, but just understand that they're just socially insecure. They have a fear about something. Sometimes there's a fear about outreaching to find out how the other person thinks, right? Well, do you find yourself, for example, I I see this pop up on the internet and and anecdotal stories. Do you find yourself being stopped by police more than anyone else? Or or what is your experience? You just basically drive around and not get canceled? You know, know, the thing about this, uh, the other ones, I'm also a very fiercely supportive of law enforcement. Uh, I... As people who have known me, some of my close friends, I would say I'd be a doc or a cop because of the serve and protect mm-hmm. uh, and that role. So I, I'm i very supportive of law enforcement, uh, friends and 
very close to me and whatnot. Um, but I have to tell you, I've never am affected that way where I'm going, I get stopped uh, just because of that. I don't ever, I have never seen that. I know it happens that way. Yeah. I've had instances that maybe, but there was a real reason why I got pulled over, right? Yeah, right. I was going fast and everything else. I wasn't driving black. That wasn't the issue. Right. Um, but there's also just the way that when you proje- project a certain image or something else, then of course you want law enforcement to do their job. So if you act like a criminal, they should be, it's good that they pick you up and think about that or ask you a question. Now, the whole uh, things that are going on now, of course, there's some people uh, don't carry out their job in the the most professional, uh, ethical way they should. And that's led us to be this, yeah. uh, where we are. It's not that all cops yeah. are bad. Um, all doctors are not great either. Uh, all professions, we can find people that have these unconscious bias. So we, as Individuals have to just kind of road that for for whatever your professions. Okay, so that that take us through a little of your of your uh, training and through you know, stuff that happens in your personal life. But I'm I'm curious about your your profession, your practice. We we sort of touched on this before we actually started recording. But I'd asked you, do you ever get that experience when someone walks a, a new patient? They've yeah. never met you, and they walk into the room and they get a look at you, and you get that. Oh, I wasn't expecting you kind of vibe from them. Absolutely. And a lot of times I say now, so I've been in practice for a long time. Some people walk in the room, they go, wow, you're the TV doctor. Right. So I get that. I bet. But um, then there's some that say, well, you weren't what I expect. Some people don't say it. (laughs) Right. But they may act it. Right. And then I, you know, I kind of, you could, you could sit there and react to it and think, take, first of all, I never try to take any of that personally. Uh, but then it's the opportunity, if I feel it, for me to educate them, for me to understand no matter who the patient is, I've got to take that opportunity to build trust and have a foundation that I have them understand that, hey, I'm the best person for you, that I'm going to help you navigate this these waters of whatever it is for your health needs. Uh, but yes, I've had that. I've had it happen. Uh, let me tell you a story. This is a story that got me into residency of programs of choice, I think. So someone said to me, tell an experience that happened to you that really defined who you were. And this happened. I was a resident um, and I was to be chief resident. So the chief resident is a guy who you know teaches everybody. This is the one that everyone looked up to. Well, I was a resident. It was a second year resident. So now you're you're leading the team, and it's busy hospital, University of Colorado School of Medicine. We'd have 22, 23 admissions a night. So I'm the resident doc who I would have to know something about all 22 of those folks, and then I'd have maybe four residents underneath me, interns or whatnot underneath me. So one time I was going through to try to round before the next morning to present them to the rest of the hospital team uh, who these new people were. I had my uh, I, I had didn't have, I had my stethoscope in my back pocket. I had scrubs on uh, and it was, you know, late at late at night, not really too late. And in the, I go into a room and there's a woman. She's sitting there. She's got the covers pulled up to her chest white lady older and she said yelled at me it's about time you got here 
right? And I looked and I said, oh, right. And then she said, I said, yeah, well, how can I help you? She said, look at that over there in that corner. It's a mess. Uh -oh. She pointed at a trash can that was overflowing. I looked at, she said, you need to take care of that. And I looked at that trash and sure enough, I'm thinking, wow, that's an eyesore, right? So I went over to that trash. I picked it up and I wrapped it up and I left the room. I took it to the nurse's station and I threw it, put it in the trash there. It was a trash bin. I walked back into the room. I sat down on her bedside. I said, hi. I don't remember her lady's name. Ms. Jones, I'm Dr. Hopkins, and I'm the doc who's going to be taking care of you. She looked at me. She said, she had her covers up. She said, well, oh, good. Well, fine then. Right? And I said, well, how can I help you? Anyway, I didn't let it affect me at all. It was like I was called to do what I'm called to do. Right? So I showed her how well I handled that trash can needed to be emptied. And I did it. I came back and I was going to show her, hey, I'm going to take the best care of you. It didn't affect what she thought of who I was coming into that uh, room, looking probably like the orderly or somebody else who was to empty the trash. She didn't know. But that was the thing that changed her mind. And then after that, she had this very good dialogue. I wasn't made it look made her feel like she feel bad about it. Uh, I don't know if she did, but she overcame it after she understood that I was going to share compassion for her. And I wrote that story in different places that I've articulated that even verbally in interviews. And it always was to illustrate the speaking volumes of, you know, what Martin Luther King said, the third things if you're going, what you're called to do, you know, be good. If you're going to be a sweet uh, street sweeper, be the best street sweeper that there is right and not and have your your actions define who you are and not just the color of your skin and so that was my that's my thing that i always tell that story and i've told that to my kids uh and i share it with patients every once in a while but i've had incidences like that that have been powerful moments and i you can either feel bad about them right and reflect poorly on them on even the individual that's making you feel that way, or you can rise above them and having to be a very good teaching moment for yourself and for them that you learn something about somebody else. When they go low, we go high. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to assume that in your practice, you have black patients as well. Right. Um, how do they react or do they react to you any differently Oh, absolutely. I, and, you know, we were talking uh, before we started the uh, podcast about uh, studies that have shown that this has been replicated in different scenarios of uh, the interaction of patients with their physician, especially uh, if they see it from the, they, they look the same. There's from the same culture. They have the same skin color. There is a reaction. Uh, in the African-American community or people of color, there is an assumption that, wow, they look like me. They're going to take good care of me. Well, here's the deal. It doesn't always work out that way. Because what happens, instances I've had, where I'll have an African-American patient say, whoa, and this happens once or twice a month, okay? Because uh, I practice up in Roseville. I was downtown, so my uh, demographics were uh, are, are moving up to Roseville 
area. So my demographics shift to uh, so I have a more affluent uh, a white population. But I still have my African-American patients followed and every people of color that followed. But then some have said, hey, they sought me out because there's not a lot of people of color delivering health care as primary care physicians. You know, there's a great need there. So some have sought me out. So when they see, they've sought me out every once, this happens once or twice a month. Someone says, God is so glad to see you when I found you. And they say, I've been looking for an African-American doc because I know that's what, I want somebody who ever looks like me to be able to understand me. I always take, when they say that directly, I take that time to educate them, to understand, because I don't want them to think that way about everything else and everywhere they go, hmm. because they're going to need it when a time's going to come, when the person I'm going to send them to, the cardiologist, is not an African-American. They're culturally so different, but I want them to understand the competence and the passion, and it's the way that those physicians make you feel is the most important thing. And you have to trust in their confidence and in, in their competence. And it's not just that they have to look like you, because what happens, people have been discouraged when they make an assumption. So they come to see me. They sought me out. And what they've said, they, I, they want something that they really, really want. And so they thought the path was going to be of a lesser resistance because I'm black. And when I tell them, no, that's not the right thing to do. So therefore, I'm not going to do it. There is, you know, some shock. And you mean like when the uh, person from my church comes and thinks I'll give them opiates? Absolutely. It could be that. <laughs> it could be that when they do it, they're so disappointed. And so there's is there's that. And I have to. I use those opportunities to say, I'm just doing what's best for you, black, white, whatever. I'm here to deliver the uh, the best care. You know, what's interesting about this, uh, just a, uh, along the lines of what we're talking about, how I feel. If someone asks me how I feel about this, you know, when I remember in medicine, so this all lives matter subject came up when I was in medical school. Uh, there was a guy doing a lecture. Uh, it was an introductory thing. And he was just talking about our oath as physicians, our Hippocratic Oath, really involved for us. To, we're going to be taking care of a lot of different people. It was black, white, rich, poor, whatever, in great need. Some people can't pay you, but our oath says that we're going to provide the best care that we can to all people. And he said that all lives matter, right? So I live my life of practicing medicine by all lives matter. It is what drives me in the practice of medicine. Now, when you talk about Black Lives Matter, these things like that, and people, you know, they ascribe what that means to other situations, uh, you know, that sometimes just, you know, clouds things. Uh, and it has clouded things. Whereas Black Lives Matter was really specifically to something that has happened. It's a specific problem. But the issue is people pull it out, it, pull it out of context and make it much more broad where it doesn't need to be. Because really for me, as my oath as a physician is that all lives matter, right? So uh, whatever, if you're transgender, your life matters just as much as somebody else that uh, that I see in my practice who you know lives down the street and Granite Bay and has a great address and, you know, and money's not the issue. All of the lives matter to me. Uh, so that's how I have, you know, in my, my practice and having folks that come in 
And they may say, gosh, I'm glad I got an African-American doc. I'm glad I got a black doc. I don't know that I'm going to treat them in the same fashion uh, that I do all of my patients with the, the best care. And I've had some patients that they were just, they didn't get what they wanted. And they have told me, they have said to me, I am disappointed because I thought since you were black, you look like me, I was going to get this. And I tell them it doesn't work that way. And this is something that's inappropriate for them. It's inappropriate Medi- for Medically inappropriate. Yes, medically yeah. inappropriate for them. Uh, but they thought that just because that we look like, this happened recently on a Zoom call. A doc said to me, uh, a patient said to me that, gosh, I am so disappointed. You, you, we, we, we look the same and that you should do this. And I'm disappointed in you. I said, I'm not disappointed. I said, I'm sorry you're disappointed, but I'm dealing with you best care. Whether you're white or if you're Asian, I said, if you're transgender, I'm going to do the best thing for you. I said, my role is not to do what you want to have done to you. It's for me to do the right thing for you. Right. Um, and that's what it was. But he uh, he went on to see another doc. And that's OK. And that's OK. As long as I at least let them know that every doctor that you have is every clinician. We should be doing the best for every patient, um, doing the best that we can for them. That's our training. That's our calling that all of their lives matter. And we got to do it equally. We got to do it powerfully like that. We're not going to make it exceptions just because they think they see us that we should be the same. So yours is a family practice. Internal medicine, internal, internal, internal medicine. primary care, yeah. But don't you specialize in weight loss? Uh, yeah, weight um, weight management, weight bariatric management, yeah. medicine, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Got a little specialty practice in aesthetics and wellness, you know, yeah. making people yeah. feel well, you know, well, that kind of thing. I was going to say, feel, feel free to plug it. <laughs> no, no, I just, that's the other yeah. thing. I've been, you know, more of a, more of the wellness. When I say primary care, yeah. it's a big mix of everything else. It's just, you know, I, I so weight management fits all in with it, that as well. Hmm. Prevention is key. Absolutely. Yeah, you do yeah. the regular internal medicine preventive care with a little bit of extra that Absolutely. patients may want so they yeah. don't have to go somewhere else to yeah, get it. Exactly. The... Meet the needs of the patients where they're at. Um, you know, I, I really think about uh, having a philosophy when I tell my patients now. It really is. I want it's my philosophy of wellness for my patients, uh, even if they have chronic disease, is really look good, feel good. Uh, it's all about that. I said, what, how, how do you, how can I make you feel good? And and you feel you like the way you look and that what you look like is about how you interact with the world. Um, and so I've, I've really made it that that's our mission. Look good, feel good for, for our patients, whether they're diabetic, heart disease, you know, they have multiple sclerosis or, um, you know, some, uh, any kind of disease state, I want them to feel good, look good, feel good, and know that's what I'm going to help them. And your practice is called? Uh, Hopkins MD. Hopkins is my, MD. Yeah. It's yourself and nurse practitioner? I have a nurse practitioner as well, uh, Alyssa Johnson. She's uh, wonderful. So it's her and I, and you know, I have, I've had dietitians in my office, um, you know, they've really helped helped out uh, with the nutritional aspect, eating, eating right and whatnot. Uh, so I've always been resourceful for getting people to, you know, to exercise and uh, getting them professionals and interacting with other people who will help me further that mission of having patients, you know, look good, feel good and work on prevention. I guess say you, you're, you're successful at that. I'm, in my interactions with Dr. Vaughn, just talking 
generically, no names, yeah. but how hard it is to get people to, when you suggest diet and exercise, they, they're, they're, and I have friends like this. Yeah. No, don't you just have a pill for that? Yeah. You know, I don't want to do yeah. the hard yeah. work. I just right. want the pill. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's and, what I'm here for. Yeah. And, and I try to be, I try to be the pill yeah. for that, that by uh, empowering them, teaching them the power of habits is what I really try to teach them. Uh, so they can change their trajectory of their life. Uh, but it, it starts with having someone they connect with. They trust, you know, they can, they know that they're going to be there for them. And my whole staff uh, is really engaged with that. So I have great staff who are very engaging with the service excellence experience. Uh, and then our focus on quality as you have done in your practice, uh, Mark, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even mention that you were a former uh, medical director in, within Center of Independent Physicians for Service Excellence. Yep, Service Excellence so, and quality. Yeah, it's a yep. very much quali yeah. a, a priority in your practice. Absolutely. Well, good. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Tom, for being on Medically Speaking Radio. It's great to be here. See you on TV. All righty. Well, that's all we have for this week, folks. Tune in next week. Well, once again, you will hear Dr. Mark Bond say, Until next time, stay in good health. Thank you.